Hebrews chapter 12, and um, tonight don't put your singing voice away as of yet, because um, we're going to be doing some more of that here in in just a little bit, but tonight we want to kind of pick up where we ended this morning in the aspect of consider Him. Hebrews 12, verse 3. Well, let's just begin with verse 1 because such great truths here. Wherefore, and it's reflecting back to chapter 11, and the great hall of fame and all these great individuals that are there in heaven that um, have accomplished great things through faith, And he said, because of that, in light of that, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. There are many things to consider about Jesus Christ. But tonight we want to look at at several of them. In light of his suffering that we looked at this morning regarding uh, 1 Peter and the comparison to our suffering, we ought to follow his example and his modeling in our life. But also in light of the fact that um, tonight we're going to be uh, remembering the Lord's Supper and remembering his death his burial, and his resurrection. And in so doing, um, we have the great opportunity to consider him. So first of all, we alluded to this this morning, consider him that he took my place. Consider him that he took my place. We illustrated it this morning. As in the fact that he became our substitute. But understand this we were the criminal, we were the one that the verdict has already been brought. We are guilty, the judgment is already brought against us. And then Jesus Christ came and took our place. I mean, you know, we stand here guilty. We know I deserve this death. And in in realizing that, then to see the spotless Lamb, the perfectly innocent, the perfectly holy Son of God come and step into my vileness and take my place. We, we take it so for granted. And, and just this aspect that, that He literally took our place. That, 
that he literally came and, and said, no, I'll take your punishment. I don't know if you've ever had anyone um, pay your debt or, or take your place or um, even have mercy on you knowing you were guilty and you deserved the worst punishment. And yet, none of those can compare to what Jesus did in this aspect that He took our place. And tonight, as we remember it, I want, you know, there's that, that sense that when you know you're guilty, there's the, the old deer in the headlights look, uh, yes, I know I'm guilty, I'm, I'm caught, so to speak, I am wrong. And then to have Jesus Christ come, and step into our wrongness, our sin, and step in and literally to take our place and to take our penalty. Jason's going to come and lead us. And I want you to, to think of this as we sing 237. Alas, and did my Savior bleed at the cross. 237. We may have a mix-up here, but... um. You may need to turn to it in here. But think of, as you sing this song, and one of the stanzas, was it for crimes that I have done? And think of it in this light. He took my place. Let's sing the first and second verses of At the Cross. At the Cross, 237. First and second verses. Alas, and did my Savior bleed and pulls back the veil to a certain degree. The little bit that we maybe can begin to understand a little bit, and even in this we can't, is the physical suffering. That to be crucified is one of the most severe ways of death. And the agony and just the aspect of of them nailing him to the cross and and as they would take that cross and and lift it up and then drop it into the hole uh, they said in most cases that that many of their bones would be dislocated and and just the agony that he was in physically but we can't even begin to comprehend the suffering that he bore because of our sin, that his father could no longer look on him. And he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, many people have been betrayed and forsaken, but no betrayal will ever compare to what Jesus bore with our sin. And Isaiah speaks so, uh, so explicitly of it that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Even before the cross, the, the scourging that he bore. But the physical 
and not to minimize it, but it really pales in comparison to the separation that he bore for our sin. And and in understanding, no matter what we endure or suffer in this life, it it will never compare to what God suffered on our behalf. And the, the suffering, the extreme, think of it. In, there, there's just so many things that come to mind. But here he is, and we sang when Christ, or in, the, in another of the verses of the song, when Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. Here he was, the, the creator on the face of the earth, God in the form of man, and, and they said, he is of the devil. And, and literally, they came up and slapped him in the face. And probably one of the most disrespectful things that you can do is spit in someone's face and they spit upon him. I mean, he suffered to the extreme. And consider him. You know, our... Our hearts ought to be filled with, with overwhelming appreciation and love and gratitude and, and consecration when you think He took my place and He suffered to the extreme. Uh, turn to 236 and think of that. He suffered to the extreme as we sing, He was wounded for our transgressions. Not only... Did he suffer in extreme? He completely paid for our sin. In in understanding, there is nothing that you or I can do to finish the payment. There is nothing else needed. There is all we can do is receive it. It is not um, we bring our goodness and then He makes up the difference. There is nothing. Jesus said, it is finished. Meaning, the debt is, is fully and completely paid. And in, in understanding that... Um, when when we get to heaven, there is not going to be any of, hey, you made it, we made it, Let, high five. It's not we made it. It's we are here by the grace of God. And it is paid completely. And, and we are going to, to bow before God and for all eternity, give praise and thanks to Him that He didn't, he didn't leave 1%. If He'd left 1% for us to take care of, all of us would perish. And, and you think of, of this, all the sacrifices, all, all the laws. Um, was it in the song we just did? Um, yeah, he was numbered among transgressors. We did esteem him forsaken by his God. As our sacrifice he died, that the law be satisfied. He came to fulfill the law. 
And he completely fulfilled it. I mean, we have nothing to glory in. And God forbid that we should glory in anything except the cross. And that's what Paul said, that we have nothing to glory in except the cross of Jesus Christ. And the cross is a symbol to us that my debt is paid in full. You know, um, if you if borrowed any money, there's a great, a great deal when you make that last payment. You know, when, I don't know how they do it now, but used to have these payment books and you'd rip out every month and send in your payment. I just loved it when I'd get down and make that last one and send that in and just look at that empty book. Paid in full. I mean, that is a good feeling. You can't even begin to stack up how high the payment book is for our sin. And Jesus Christ came and paid in full. What a blessing. You think of that again, that He completely paid for my sin as Jason comes and leads us in a song. Sing Jesus Paid It All 355. 355, Jesus Paid It All. Remember when that song really became personal to me. I was a freshman in Bible college and we had a, a missionary that had been in India for 50 years. And um, I still remember, he looked like Mr. Magoo, kind of. And, um, and he was preaching about Christ's payment for our sin. And he, he started singing and he said, Jesus paid some of it. I must do my best to pay the rest. Nope, 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 nope. He goes like that. And it just really brought it home to me. There's nothing left for us to pay. And in his payment, he suffered extremely. And he was our substitution for our sin. But it's incomplete unless we realize he rose victorious. And the more, the more I understand and learn about Christ and Christianity, the more thankful I am for the resurrection. It separates Christianity from every other belief. And we serve a living Savior. We have a relationship. We are called into a fellowship. And He triumphed openly. And He rose victorious. And I'm so glad that when He rose again, He didn't just immediately arise and disappear into heaven. He walked around and, and showed them, look it, here I am. Death could not keep me. And uh, He rose victorious over sin, over Satan, and over death. And think of this. 
we don't need to fear death. And we, uh, we can enjoy the fact that the sting of death is removed because He rose victorious. And another song says, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. We're remembering His body that was broken and His blood that was shed, but it's incomplete until we remember the fact that He rose again. And uh, if they could prove that He didn't rise, they surely would have. But because He lives, we can have peace. Because He lives, we know who holds the future. Because He lives, we can go and talk to God. You think of that. And the fact of the matter is that He rose victorious. I, I love this next song that we're going to sing. And you think of it. And think of the words, low in the grave He lay. It's dark. It's sad. It's like, oh no. And then the chorus comes in and sing it with joy and victory. Up from the grave he arose. <clears throat> Let's stand together on Christ Arose 265. You may be seated. <clears throat> and in understanding, he arose and then he was uh, caught up to be at, seated at the right hand of the Father. And uh, in understanding, um, considering Jesus Christ and considering that uh, the Lord's Supper communion was set up to help us consider Him, we're reminded also in seeing the whole picture that He rose victorious, but praise God, He is coming again. He didn't just arise and disappear and you're on your own. He is the last chapter. And He writes the last chapter. And He is coming again. I am amazed. And if you would start to notice how many songs that we sing, many of them, the last verse in the song is talking about Christ coming again. It's talking about heaven. And the theme of the early Christians was Jesus is coming again. And even in, even in the Lord's Supper, Paul wrote to those at, at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 13, or 1 Corinthians 12. And, no, I'll get there yet. 1 Corinthians 11, all right? In 1 Corinthians 11, he said, you do in in observing this, you show the Lord's death what until he comes and and every day we ought to be filled with anticipation Jesus is coming again, maybe today, maybe today, but we know this we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And the fact of the matter is, he said, I will come again. And you know, if he said it, it's done. 
And in God's mind, it's already done because He's timeless. You can't separate it. Get your mind around that, right? You can't get your mind around that. But we can get our mind around this. Jesus is coming again. And rejoice in that. Your heart, regardless what's going on in your life, in your world, your heart ought to rejoice that there is going to be a meeting in the air. Amen? 285 in the air. Um, Marilyn and I kid that we have a special place we're going to meet there, all right? But the fact of the matter is, um, it won't be the same there. Because Jesus Christ is it. Jesus Christ is the leading one. Um, There is no marriage in heaven. And some of you say, thank God for that, huh? So that means you better you better put everything in a marriage here and glorify God in your marriage here. But the fact of the matter is, in heaven, you know, we talk about, oh, meeting loved ones and this, that, and the other. I hate to blow your bubble, but you're going to be so caught up with Jesus Christ that it that's it. And, and it, it's going to be Jesus Christ. There's only one family reunion in heaven, and that's the family of God. And Jesus Christ is that song. He will be the leading one. And uh, nothing is going to compare to Jesus Christ. But one other point that we want to bring up tonight, consider Him. He took my place. He suffered extremely. He completely paid for my sin. He rose victorious. He's coming again. And all of that is an expression of His love. Whether you feel like it or not, God loves you. And I think one of the most profound songs that has ever been written is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. You know, the bottom line of all of this, why would, why would God do this? It's mind-blowing because He loves us. Why would He love us? There's no explanation for that. You can't, you can't give reasons why God would love us. It's His mercy. It's His grace. And, and understand, Satan wants to undermine and destroy the fact, and he wants to get you to think that God is against you. That God has nothing for you. How do you know God loves you? The old rugged cross. I mean, what other evidence do you need than what He did on the cross? And in understanding the fact that He rose again, it's 
It's an expression of His love. The fact that He's coming again, um, I'm, I'm telling you, if I was God, I'd say forget the whole ball of wax. You, you people are so messed up, I'm not coming again. But He's coming again because He loves us. Do you rest in His love? And there are times, sometimes in life, it doesn't seem like this is love. But were there ever times when you were a kid it didn't seem like your parents loved you when they were trying to teach you character and trying to teach you how to work and trying to teach you how to have manners and and be disciplined and so on? God loves you. And in understanding all of this, we're remembering His body and His blood in just a moment, all of this, is an expression of His love. Oh, how He loves you and me. Sing it and rejoice in that. As we come tonight to remember His sacrifice for us, I want you to remember that it is an expression of His love. You know, it is the most um, hypocritical Um, act of ours to remember His expression of love and at the same time not returning that love. That's why Paul wrote to those at Corinth and he said, you know, if, if you come to remember His body and His blood and you have sin that you know of in your life and you are not willing to deal with it, He said, this brings the judgment of God. Uh, To remember His body, to remember that, that He took our sin, and then that we still hold on to that sin? What an affront that is to God. What It is most deserving of the judgment of God. And so, it is, if, if we are not willing to deal with our sin, It is the wisest thing you can do tonight is to not partake of it. You say, well, what will people around me think? It really doesn't matter what they think. It matters what God thinks. And that's why God made this ordinance and uh, He gave it to the local church and He established it to be carried out as believers gathering together. So, Needless to say, uh, to be obedient to the Lord, you need to be born again to partake of this and have followed the Lord in the waters of baptism and, and be active uh, serving and, and uh, identified with the local assembly in obedience to God. And then, of course, we need to examine and say, Holy Spirit, one of your purposes for this is to make me just take some inventory in my life. As um, you will hold the, the bread, which is a symbol of His body that was broken for us, uh, there's a number of things that uh, you ought to be doing. You ought to thank Him for His body. You ought to um, be asking God, am I living in such a manner that your body was given in vain for me? Are you ashamed that I call myself a child of yours? 
And we ought to thank Him for the suffering that, that He endured and that He paid for our sin. In, in like manner also, when, when we hold the cup and understand without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. See, all of this is done as a reminder. You don't get any special grace by partaking of the bread or drinking the juice. No, no special measure is, is given in that. What is benefited in our life is when we come back and consider Him. And that's the purpose of this tonight, to consider Him. Jason's going to come and lead us in a song, Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. And we're going to stand and sing this as we do. The men that will be helping with communion tonight will ask that uh, you would come and, and just be prepared here. But as you sing this and think of the words of this song tonight, um, we've heard a lot of messages in song. As you sing this, uh, understand what we're doing here tonight and who we are remembering. 289. 